Amazing Grace Kona welcomes you to today's lesson from Pastor Izzy Manzo. Our prayer is that today's lesson will spiritually feed and uplift you. Now, here's Pastor Izzy. Paul writes to the church at Galatia. We read here in verse 1, Paul, an apostle, not sent from men nor through the agency of men, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him up from the dead. And all to all the brethren who are with me, to all the churches of Galatia, he says. Galatia, by the way, is a region over there in the Mediter- Mediterranean area to the north of Ephesus, around Ephesus there, just, a, just above it. This little territory, we would, we, you know, with many cities in, in, included there. And he says, to, the, to all the brethren that are in this area, of all the churches of Galatia, he starts off his letter with what? Grace. Grace be to you. And another ingredient, I love this one, and peace. Now, if you're not familiar with the, the biblical days when they would greet one another, the, the greeting of grace was a Greek greeting, cherished. It was um, the Greek word for grace. And, and when, if you were from a Greek background, as you came in to greet someone, you would speak to them cherished or grace. And they would reply, grace. When, in Hawaii, when we greet someone, what do we say? Aloha. Which has its roots in the word of breath of what? Life or love. We say, and, and you say that to somebody and they reply, aloha. When you greet someone in Hebrew background, which Paul, by the way, was aware that there were Gentile believers and Jewish believers. So what was a Jewish common greeting to shalom? And shalom means, in English, peace. So he covers both the Gentiles with grace be to you and peace. Cherish and shalom be to you guys, to all of those of the churches of Galatia. Grace and peace from who? Now this is important. He says grace and peace from a certain source. From God the Father. The grace and the peace that comes from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. This is not grace and peace that is some secularized version or some peace like the world. You know, when you talk about peace in, in a worldly context, what does peace represent to most, most folks in this world? When you say, they say, I need some peace, man. I, just, I have no peace. I, yeah, absence of conflict. I need, I need to be on an island where no one's going to, you know, come and rip off my newspaper in the morning and I'll just drink my coffee and read my paper and, and, and I, I'm going to have a whole place of myself. I don't have to worry about hassling with anybody. It's ironic to me that most definitions I hear of people in the world saying what peace is to them, it's like get rid of everyone else and just let me be alone. The problem is if you're alone, you still got one person keeping company with you. That's you. And if you didn't have peace when you got there, you ain't going to have peace when everyone else is gone either. Because, you know, there's some people that are just that way. They they go to church to church, and they're like, that church has a problem. Then then they go to another church. Then that church has a problem. Then go to another church. Then that church has a problem. And pretty soon you start to realize, you know, it seems like everywhere you go, they have the problem. So who's the problem maker? You know, sometimes we, we, we don't really key in on this, but but there is a difference in the peace what Paul is talking about. When he's saying, peace be to you 
from God the Father and our Lord Jesus. This is a peace, it says, my, Jesus spoke of it in John's Gospel. He said, my peace I leave you. My peace I give to you. He said, not as the world gives, give I to you. The peace I give you is different from the peace of the world. And the peace that he gives is a beautiful thing to come to know. When you, how many of you experienced a taste of what I'm talking about? The peace of the Lord. When his peace, it says his peace, it guards our hearts and our minds. It's, it, it surpasses all human understanding. I mean, people in the, in the natural thinking of their minds are like, how can you be at peace when even bad stuff's happening to you? You Christians freak me out. You know, you, you, you like stay all calm and everything's going wrong. And, and what they don't understand is the peace that Jesus left us is different. See, Jesus actually prefaced his peace being left to us with, with these words. Let me just show them to you real quick. If you would turn to John's gospel. And he says, um, the peace what he gives to us is found in John chapter 16. Now, verse 33, the last verse of this, he says, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation. What is tribulation? Trials, right? Problems. By the way, I don't care what anyone says. The non-Christians have just as many trials as the Christians. What, what the difference is, is they don't have the peace that comes from Jesus. See, in this world you have, shall have tribulation, but he says, but be of good cheer. Take courage, for I have overcome the world. Now, Jesus, it, prior to this, he said that when he gives his peace, it would come with, with a helper, a paraclete, the Holy Spirit that would be with us, who would lead us and guide us and teach us all the things we need. And he you know, the Spirit of God, when He's with you, you know. His Spirit just, it, it comforts us beyond what words can express. I like what the psalmist said in Psalm 23. He, he said, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil, for thou art with me. You know, when you know that the Lord is with you, there is a peace that comes and, and protects your heart and your mind beyond. See, the world's having all their trials and problems, but they don't have the Lord with them in those trials. And as Christians, we have this peace given to us. Now, Paul is writing from prison. Not exactly what I'd call wonderful, oh, happy day. I think I feel like writing a letter. Now, he goes on to say one of the most I think this is spiritually one of the most, um, well, how can I put it, rich with truths that we need, like the truths that like, speak to our heart. What's the very next line? Verse 4 says, from the Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us out of this present evil age according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forevermore. Amen. This is just his intro, but his intro's got probably more theological power than, than most people write in an entire letter. He starts off by saying, Grace to you and peace from God and from our Lord Jesus Christ, who did what? 
He gave himself for whose sins? Ours. He just says, grace from the guy who gave us deliverance. And he says and he that he might deliver us out of this evil age. Now, I find it interesting. If this was written in 49 AD, Jesus started his public ministry when he was thir about 30 years old. How many years did he minister publicly? For three. And then he was arrested and beaten. And we studied that in the Gospel of Mark and crucified and then rose from the dead. Around 33 AD. So, after Jesus rose from the dead, this guy Saul was standing there when they began to stone one of the seven um, uh, that were chosen to wait on the widows. There's one of them. He stood up for the gospel, and he gave a great defense for the gospel. We read about it in the book of Acts, Stephen. And he gets stoned to death, and, and it says they laid their garments, the ones doing the stoning, laid their garments at, at, aside to a young man. Anyone remember the young man's name that, that held the garments? Well, it was Saul. That Saul would see that first killing of a Christian and it would light a fire in him. That he would go to the chief priests and the, and the scribes and he'd get a permission, a letter saying, let me do what they just did. We got to kill these Christians. These, these guys belong into this way. This is, we got to get rid of these guys. And he was zealous, by the way. He was out to kill them all. And he would go on to persecute the church until he would have an encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus. As he's going there, the, the Lord, it said, would appear to Saul at, with a brightness. A brightness is as brighter than the sun at high noon. The Lord would appear. And it would blind Saul. That brightness and the Lord would speak to him and say, Saul, Saul, why dost thou persecutest me? Now, Jesus had already died and rose and was at the right hand of the Father, but, but he was picking on the Christians, the followers of Jesus. In Jesus' eyes, when, when the Christians were being picked on, the, his followers, he said, why are you picking on me? Well, Saul had a quick comeback all of a sudden. He's like, uh, who art thou, Lord, that I might serve thee? All of a sudden, as he struck blind, he's like, uh-oh. I just figured out I'm on the wrong side of the uh, of the team here. I got to get on the get on the right team. And he makes a quick recovery there and for the next 3 days it says Jesus showed him all that he would suffer for his namesake. Now I find it interesting in the book of Acts did Saul say after finding out all the sufferings that would lie ahead did he say that's it I quit? I'm not even going to join up. No, even though he knew he would suffer and by the way, Saul had caused great suffering for many of the believers. Kind of like God's ironic sense of justice. You picked on all of them, now you're going to get picked on. But now you're going to be used for me. Now listen to this. As, as this man, Paul, by the way, that was the name the Lord assigned him. He said, you're not going to be called Saul anymore. We're going to change your name to Paul. Now, in Hebrew, Saul, it's, um, it's a nice name. It's like uh, handsome, desirable. You know, the male version of um, beautiful for the ladies. It's the, it's the GQ of Hebrew. 
to be called Saul is to be like, you know, the strapping, handsome guy that, you know, they put on the front of the magazine. That's Saul. Desirable. You know, if, it, if you were called Saul, it was like, hey, man, you know, I'm desirable. That's my name. This, this name was what was given to him by his parents. But, but the Lord said, we're not going to call you Saul anymore. We're going to call you Paul. And Paul in Hebrew means puny, small. You're too full of yourself. You're too inflated. We got to pop that bubble and we're going to put you to the right spot. You're going to be called Paul, little, puny, small. We got to change this. And then the Lord began to use this man. And interestingly enough, the book of Galatians, actually Paul, when he writes to them, he's going to share his part of his testimony of how God grabbed him and turned him. Well, Paul, he's going to use these things. He was a man who had come to the understanding of that he was willing to lay down his life for the gospel. And here he is in prison writing to them, saying that Jesus came to deliver us from our sin and from this present evil age. Now, I began to say, he, if he preached this on the second missionary journey, this church has actually not been going that long. Even if it was 55 A.D., it's about nine, ten years because it's the second journey that the church got found. So it's about nine or ten years old, this church. And within nine or ten years, these people, he's got to comfort them and say, don't worry, Jesus died to rescue us from this present evil age. Did they have evil back then? Yeah. Do we have evil today? This is, by the way, very comforting for me. It, Jesus gave himself so we'd be delivered out of this evil. Now, verse 6 says, Paul says, I'm amazed that you guys are so quickly deserting him who called you by the grace of Christ for a different gospel. They've only been going 9, 10 years as a church, and there were people already bailing on the, on the truth of the gospel. He says, and they were trading it for something, he says, which is really not another gospel. Only there are some that were disturbing them, and they want to distort the gospel of Christ. But Paul said, even though we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to that which we have preached to you, he said, let him be accursed. He says, as we have said before, and so now I say again, if any man is preaching to you a gospel contrary to that which you received, let him be accursed. For am I now seeking the favor of men or of God? Or am I striving to please men? He said, if I was trying to please men, I would not have been a bondservant of Christ. You know, Paul's, Paul said it just how it is. If you're going to try to be a man pleaser, don't be a Christian. It'll never work out. Because if you truly serve the Lord, somebody's going to get mad at you. At some point, they're going to go, we don't like you. You mean you could be doing good. You'd be helping people. And they'll, and they'll go, I hate your guts. When they get mad at you, just tell them, don't get mad at me. It's the Holy Ghost that's convicting you. Go talk to the Holy Ghost about it. And by the way, you'll never win. But go ahead. I always try to urge them to go to God with this thing that they're so mad at us about. Because God knows how to work with a person, doesn't he? He knows how to help them through this 
quagmire that happens in the inside of a person. Sometimes they're so twisted up, so convoluted, so many things have been presented to them. It takes God's patience to just readjust and reorganize and straighten up the mind, straighten up the heart to bring them to that place where they can hear the gospel. Well, Paul says these guys had deserted the gospel of Christ for some other gospel. Paul then, verse 11, said, For I would, I would have you know, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me, he said, it's not according to man, I, and neither did I receive it from men, nor was I taught it from men, but he received it from a revelation from, from Jesus Christ. He said, For you heard of my former manner of life in Judaism, how I used to persecute the church beyond measure, and I tried even to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries um, uh, and amongst my countrymen, being more extremely zealous for my ancestral traditions. But when he who had set me apart, even from my mother's womb, and called me through his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me, that I might preach Jesus amongst the Gentiles, he said, I did not immediately consult with flesh and blood, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those that were apostles before me, but I went away to, uh, to Arabia, and I returned once more to Damascus. And then three years later, I went up to Jerusalem to become acquainted with Cephas and stayed with him for 15 days. Cephas was another name for Peter, by the way, the stone, the rock. He says, and, 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 but, I, but I did not see any other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. He says, and now it was... He says, now in what I'm writing to you, I assure you before God that I'm not lying, that when I went into the regions of Syria and, and, and Cilicia, it, it, he said, I, I was still unknown to the sight of the churches of Judea, which were in Christ. But they only, they kept hearing that he who once persecuted the church is now preaching, or, or persecuted the gospel is now preaching it. The faith which he once tried to destroy and they began glorifying God because of me. You know, Paul opens his letter with his testimony. I used to be the guy that was extremely zealous for the wrong thing. I don't hear this too much from preachers today where they actually get up and confess, I used to be, you know, a sinner. In fact, I've heard some preachers, I'm not even sure if they ever, you, you think, if you listen to them, they never sin. They, they're, they're like holy or something. They, their feet don't even touch the ground. They hover. I don't know. They just, they're, they're like not even in contact with the rest of the world. They're so, so spiritual, you know. The way they talk is like, like they, they don't have a testimony. I've always been perfect and pure and holy. Everyone listen to me. And they put on the holy voice. And the Lord says. And I'm like, oh, get out of here. We're just all people. We're just flesh and blood. And, and we have a great God who loves us. And our great God can take even the worst of us and intervene in a way that can transform us from what we used to be into a new creature in Christ. And when it comes to sharing your testimony, all you have to do is share with your friends, your loved ones, just that maybe God has worked in one specific area in your life. This book, what we just began with, we started off with Paul's 
testimony, and it's not, he's not done with it. It's going to lead into the next chapter some more of the details of what God did with him and what God wanted to do with the churches of Galatia. And I believe God wants to do with all the churches, all of the ones that follow Jesus. He wants us all to have this same peace, that same grace, that same life. Is he's, he's like, I want you to have that too. Amazing Grace Kona thanks you for listening to today's lesson. You can listen to today's lesson or any of the radio lessons on iTunes titled Celebrate the Lord. And if your travels take you to Kailua Kona on the Big Island of Hawaii, come visit us. We meet Sunday mornings, 9 a.m. on the beach at the north end of the old Kona Airport. For more information on Amazing Grace Kona, go to our church website at AmazingGraceKona.com. Amazing Grace Kona is the original Calvary Chapel Kona.